1: plushcare.com slash weight loss.
2: You're listening to After Moral, broadcasting from the beautiful South Burmese. Accept no substitute.
3: Welcome, 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 dear listeners. Welcome to the penultimate game of the season. You're listening to Acton Millwall. My name is Nick Hart. You join me and about 18,000 other people in the den. I don't know who all these people are in our block. I nearly called it my block, because I think it belongs to me. It doesn't. belongs to Millwall Football Club. There's a load and load of people in the house today. Come the two teams, Millcoy and Peterborough United. We last but one. Of the season. The Fizz listeners have been taken out of our stellar artois somewhat by Sheffield United beating QPR last night 3-1 in a convincing win in all, in all honesty. I don't know if you saw it, I watched it, hoping for um, patron St. Saint Firmersley, St. Hilberton to uh, smile upon us. Unfortunately, he scowled in the end. Uh, and QPR, I, I really like someone's got out for quite pathetic, really. QPR uh, folded like, uh, like a deck of cards. Uh, the patient is, is still grieving. The um, playoff campaign patient is still grieving just because it's in the Football League's Intensive Care Unit at the moment, dear listeners. on team this afternoon. I've been trying to work out the formation. I, I think, and I'm probably going to sound really silly in, in subsequent events, I think we're talking about 4-4-2. We have Bart in goal. I'm going to put back four. I haven't done it for such a long time. Murray Wallace, Jake Cooper. Sean Hutchison, Danny Mack. I'm going to put a midfield four of Oliver Burke, Jules Stafford, Eddie Mitchell, and Leonard. And I'm going to guess up front, Bobby and Bradshaw. But as um, I have to say, correct me if I'm dropping absolute tosh. Great tweet by Richard Corley. Mill will just need to win their last two matches, listeners. Reverse an eight goal swing and <laughs> rely on other clubs dropping points. Apart from that, it's plain sailing to get into the Championship playoffs. Uh, the only thing I would say, Richard, that's a very well-executed well, um, you know, well, well executed tweet there, mate. When I was talking to Lenny Kravitz, my star friend, earlier on, he said it ain't over till it's over now. But that's the way I'm looking at it, and I think that's the way the uh, then faithful are going to look at it today, listeners. In any event, Mill will be attacking the away end in the first half, in accordance with seatings at the Venerable beat in Anglo-Saxon England, 9th century. Basically, we need a win. And we need goals, dear listeners. And away we go in the beautiful Burmesey sunshine, the renowned Burmesey sunshine. Oh, to be in Bermond-y, now the sun is here. Nearly. It's still a bit nippy in the shape. Peterborough relegated, of course. This, is this watching the uh, 12.30, well, the first half, certainly, of Gilligan versus Rotherham. Gilligan renegade. I think Rotherham won that 2 really early, so sending Neil Harris and Ben Thompson into, into League Two. Wigan. And last I saw, it was MK Dons. That may have changed since, uh, since I drove over. I haven't checked since in the top two. Where did our season get away from us, listeners? That's a question I'm going to pose to you. I think it's got away from us on a number of occasions. Some of the losing sequences, some of the poor performances we've mentioned. Won't go over them all. It's in from the right side by Peterborough. the overhead of everybody. Uh, it's easy to pick out recent performances and talk about the the very cold start. We made up there at St Andrews last week. Uh, I think you've got to look further back. There's been some really good stuff at times, but too patchy overall. Some real um, you know, poor stuff equally and that's where our season's got away from us for whatever reason, whether that's injury or the impact of COVID, the condensed nature of the season, I don't know. Things that would have affected every every club. We, we do play with a fairly small condensed squad compared with many for economic reasons. And one or two injuries, as we've sustained almost throughout the whole season, have um, hurt us more than most. It remains a very, very good season by a I middle mean, it's... You go around in circles on this, listers because there is a sense of disappointment given recent um, you know, points where they should have been wins, that kind of stuff. Um, but historically, this is one of the best ever seasons. It'll be in the um, slight guess only, it's one of the top 10 seasons ever of being a Millwall fan. So, despite the uh, sense of what if, that remains a fact. Normally, block one is is like um, a wasteland tumbleweed floating around the the aisles and seats. Today it's packed and I've got people looking at me like I'm a lunatic, talking to myself. Which, in many respects, I suppose I am. For your pleasure. I must pull down the... Left side, what a coolly taken penalty that was by Benita into Incidentally, as he's dispossessed there on the towards the ninth minute. But what a coolly taken penalty! I wouldn't have run fancy taking that in the eighth, 90 plus eighth minute, if that's an expression. I would have flopped. It, I would have fluffed it. Listeners and been, my name would have been mud. My reputation as a mobile fan would have been dragged. So I'm glad it was not lead. It's okay, it. and a Fobi put it away. So. I'm, measure of uh, aplomb we're getting towards the time of the season where we start to say our goodbyes to players Dan Ballard has been ruled out for the rest of the season by injury and he will be returning back to his parent club of Arsenal, a great player been a really good season for Dan Ballard I can see him going the full distance to, well, he's an Arsenal player already so uh, he would expect to be a Premier League contender Uh, Jed Wallace, of course, uh, is on the bench this afternoon, following injury. This may be the last chance we'll have to say goodbye to Jed. No clear picture yet as to where he may go. Talk of Turkey, talk of West Bromwich Albion. Who knows? This is Billy Mitchell finding Danny Mac on 20 minutes. We've been bright since the start of the game, but without any real... Uh, threat in front of goal some might say story of the season although I think Afobie's 12 goals so far is as good as many in recent years unless you're going to go back to uh, the glory days of Morrison and Gregory but threat in front of goal has been you know, elusive for us all season I think with the greenest That's just drifted out in the, for a right uh, throw on the left hand side 21 minutes halfway through the first half not huge amounts to report, in fairness. And there's Jed warming up there for it's too. Good applause. With Murray Wallace picking up the Player of the Season award, Jake Sanders made the point that Jed has been consistently our best player for the last five years, best in terms of um, quality. And he's never won it. Maybe that says something about the psychology of the Millwall supporter list. The favouring of a grafter over uh, talent. I don't know. I think it's always been so. When you look back over the list of players of the season over the years. Not we've ever been blessed with kind of um,
1: you know,
3: huge talent. But we've been blessed with a lot of uh, players who've worked very, very hard. And they're the ones that we seem to favour. In the, uh, in the psyche it's in the blood ball oh, breaks It's a long ball falls from Savile trying to find Oliver Burke who does well to control that and three nice minute listeners this is on the right side of Danny Mack with him breaks into the area Danny balls into the box that's over the pile of cross that went into a shot as he drifted across he actually drifted just past the left side post there be Mill's most dangerous moment but um, wasn't an accurate cross by by anyone's definition of the word. Did I just say accurate? Accurate? I'll edit that out to make myself sound intelligent. Accurate. Long ball forwards finds Benick, 35 minutes on the left. Can see. He's done well to get past his man like nothing. Butter he's just ran into the last tackle there. Little <laughs> moment of class and quality from Benedictofobi and for a shot from distance, that's blocked, that's going to go for a corner on the left. Ticking towards the 37th minute, it's been a very uneventful half in truth business. Um, I think we came into the game looking to overturn an eight goal deficit if we do win it on Sheffield United. Well, um, take it from me, we've shown no signs of that so far game's got that hit, the drifty feel about it, listeners, the kind of impending summertime, almost like a, uh, like a friendly, you know. The result last night has, has uh, served to, to puncture the Rowett train. That's a mixed metaphor. To derail the Rowett train, to puncture the Rowett bus, the tyres of the Rowett bus, which has not helped today's calls. All breaks. this is the 7 from there's a penalty. A little ball through. That's dinked wide. That was a chance actually for Pedro, a better player would have taken that a touch there and, and got a shot on goal. As was he tried to dink it round. He's gone for a goal kick. 38 minutes. Right start, but we've settled into a, a groove now that um, says summers are coming. And that from the wicker man. Summers are coming. Women's those folk songs they sing on that island, Summer Isle are pressing forwards now as so they have done increasingly through the half. It's 44 minutes of what has been a poor game so far in, in truth. Uh, they're starting to pass the ball backwards and forwards on the edge of our penalty. So that's a little dinking that's taken simply enough by, by Bart Bielkowski there on the line. No real danger there. But Gary Rowett can't be happy with what he's seeing here. This is a big still remains a, a big situation and we're not really showing enough. As we haven't done in a few big situations of so late, maybe there's a pattern now. I don't know. There's the halftime break. Poor half. Poor half. In truth, we're going to take a little break now, listeners, and take you away from here and listen to the pre-match player of the season ceremony and the little interview I did the other day with Mill Fan. Uh, Scott Lockwood, who's doing an abseiling appeal, charity group. So we're going to cut over to those now. We'll be back later in the second half, if you can bear it.
2: Achtung Millwall.
3: Huge welcome on the show to Scott Lockwood, who is an Achtung Millwall listener and a Millwall fan of many years standings. Welcome to the show, Scott. Thank you for having me. You're welcome, mate. Now, reason that we're just getting you on here today is that I understand you are um doing a charity for charity exploration of your deepest fears <laughs> and worries by abseiling down from the roof of the AFC Wimbledon Stadium, mate. What's what's that in aid of? Can you explain why why you're doing this lunatic thing?
4: Yeah, so I'm doing it on two fronts. Um, we're doing it to raise money for Don's Local Action Group who work um, tirelessly in the area as part of Wimbledon Foundation, um, and they do food parcels and stuff like that. But I'm, I'm also doing it for a local club round by that I run um, in the SE17 area um, to try and get a defibrillator. Okay. Um, they're about twelve to £1,500, pounds and we've just had two children with heart defects join our sessions um, and it's something that, as a volunteer organisation, we've never been able to afford. So we're just trying to raise funds for for peace of mind. Hopefully, never to have to use them, Absolutely. but so that they're there yeah. just in case.
3: Now, I, I had the pleasure of meeting with Aaron over at Wimbledon's new grounds, um, probably about about Octoberish, I think it was. I went over to the, um, the like an executive lounge there. I had a really nice meal actually in there. Um, and that's a very high stand that you're going to be um, abseiling down from there Scott yep, so I'll take my hat off it... to you on that um are, are, how are you with heights mate are you are you uh, are you good with heights or is it something you've never ever done before
4: well, uh, as soon as you said the word heights there my body started getting shivers <laughs> um so i'm absolutely petrified of heights um, right. and one of the reasons sort of i've chosen to do this is we can't keep on telling our children to overcome their fears but not try it ourselves. Um and they're looking forward to seeing me cry, shake, and are. everything else. Why why up high?
3: <laughs> I take my hat off to you. It's um it's not something I would fancy doing. It is for a fantastic cause. One thing I did notice, Scott, when I was over at Wimbledon, um was the work of the Don's Trust. And especially some of the outreach work, which I think is where you're going with this, isn't it? Is it? to try and reach local kids. And, and change their life in a sense, I suppose, trying to turn some of these, you know, some of these kids away from taking wrong choices.
4: Yeah, there's there's many different things we do um, as part of AFC Wimbledon Foundation and a bit like the Millwall Community Trust. Um, like £25 gets a kid into a session um, yeah. th- that can pay for a coach to run a kick session, for example, which brings 16 to 18 year olds in to play football, which will then keep them away from doing things that they shouldn't be doing um 50 pound feeds a family of four for a week um and stuff like that with the uh don's local action group and the foundation do so so many more stuff we do refugee sessions we do lo- loads of things that every little bit of fundraising goes towards helping
3: now you're you're on just giving scott is is it scott lockwood founder uh the lockwood football academy i think is it's Search on that on Just Giving to find the yeah. To find if the, you go the, onto the,
4: the Just Giving crowdfunding page, it's the Lockwood Football Academy, um, and we're trying to raise fifteen hundred pounds for a Fib and the the bits and gadgets that go with it. We've just hit the six hundred pound target last night, which is absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, after a week of sort of fundraising, and hopefully we can build up and get to that fifteen hundred pound target for the health and safety of everyone in a local area.
3: Fantastic. Now, one or two on the, this is the Akdung Millwall show, one or two might be wondering why I'm talking to um, a, a, an AFC Wimbledon bod, but you are actually a Millwall fan, aren't you, Scott? A Millwall season ticket holder.
4: Yep, I'm a, a season ticket holder, a shareholder. I sit in block seven, um, right at the top of the stairs. Um, I work with the Millwall 45K group. Um, yep. We've done loads of charity fundraising over the years um, and have been part of Meal Wall my entire life.
3: Fantastic. Who says no one likes us, Scott?
4: <laughs> well, believe me, there's a lot more people that do like us now than they used to.
3: <laughs> Fantastic. It was, your work's helping that calls along, mate. It's really, really nice to be able to talk to you. I wish you well with the appeal. We will be sticking a link, listeners, in the show notes and on the, uh, on the show uh, social media to get behind Scott. I take my hat off to you doing this this absiding business. God, I've never fancied that kind of stuff at all. But um, when does it take place? When is the actual event gonna gonna happen, mate?
4: So the actual event is taking place on the fifteenth of May. Um, thankfully, just after my birthday. So if I do die, I would have hit another year older. <laughs> um, and it's it's gonna take place during the first ever open day at AFC Wimbledon's new cherry red record stadium. Yeah. So it's a momentous occasion and. Uh, Uh, we're we're expecting sort of five to 800 people there throughout the day Um, and anyone that wants to come and watch and come and kind of cheer me on or laugh at me feel free
3: fantastic stuff really appreciate your time today scott that's scott lockwood listeners and as i say we'll be putting the link out on the show notes for for scott's appeal many thanks scott
4: thank you nick thank you everyone thank you team really appreciate your help
2: listening to Acton
3: Millwall, broadcasting from the beautiful South Bermondsey. Accept no substitute. Pre-match, dear listeners, we're going to have the uh, very welcome presentation on the pitch of the Mill Player of the Season. We're just waiting for it. I'll edit this so it goes seamlessly, and I'm going to play with your time, space, and Continuing by running this at the half-time break in the uh, Norview-Peterborough game. So i just going to stick with this whilst we see Max McClellan, and that's Billy Taylor down there on the uh, the diminutive f- figure of Steve Kavanaugh, and a few trophies on the on the table. But we're going to record this and I'll edit it together separately, listeners, so that your listening experience isn't as um, drawn out as, as, re- as the reality.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the demo. 21-22 prior to the season in around five minutes' time. And to kick things off, we'll start with a special Achievement Award. This award goes to a man who has given over 50 years of service to Millwall Football Club and has been an iconic voice at the PA and the den for all these years. Presented by Chief Executive Steve Cavanaugh. Please put your hands together Mr. and let's with us.
3: Mr. Pye now I've never seen you. Blown. He, his voice was going when I started going. Was as long as I've been there for 50 years, as Max just said. That's nice. Joining me now is
1: Bill Plynes'
3: A on the pitch, which is a step forward. I'm sure Harry will have views and opinions on that. I'm going to seek those out another day. And finally, to round up this stage of the award ceremony,
1: joining me is Academy Director Scott Fitzgerald who will present School Boy the end of the year. Please put your here up for a young man who made might-
3: There we are. He's even got his own song, isn't he?
2: Achtung. Millwall.
3: Teams are out for the second half of the final home 45 minutes of the season, listeners. Uh, in truth, that first half will not excite many. It didn't excite me. Let's hope for a better second half from Millwall. We um, still a few convoluted results of a potential to uh, be in the mix going into the last weekend, which is not a bad achievement for a club of our size and resources, but we won't be getting anywhere near it with that first half shown, Nor with the opening of the second half, which is the kick from kickoff. off put it straight into touching the Peterborough half, but why change the habit of a season? This is. All over the top to Burke, who controls it on the left, just the, in the first 40 seconds of the second half. Ball's lofted in from Murray Wallace, far post, it falls to Ron Leonard on the line. Ooh, fired in from close. I think that was Saddle. Ball seemed to stick on the line, maybe a white shirt in there, and to clear it. First real chance for Mill in the whole game, in the first 60 seconds of the second half. Good start from Millwall will oh, take and turn on the edge of the penalty oh, that's a shot put wide batted wide by, by um, Bart Belkovski on 49 minutes there good, good hard shot down low and Bart did be to get down to it push it going for a right sided corner Mill have done a very good job of sedating the Mill so far the will come here to enjoy itself and we've managed to produce a fairly um, soporific performance in truth so far this is going to be a long throw from Ryan Leonard on 50 2 minutes nearly. On the right, they've got the corner flag. In it comes, it's deep, 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 near post, here. the rounds. Bennett of Phoebe, 1-0, Bennett of Phoebe slammed home as the ball came in from the right, it fell to Bennett, who took the turn and fired it in it on the right side, It called a low. 52 minutes, Mill lead it, 1-0. Much, much better. His thirteenth goal of the season this. do uh, See the replay. You have to see the replay on your YouTube. Don't tune you into on Mill for replays. This is nicely put away by Benik Afobe. Jed Wallace. London coming out. Well, he'd done quite well, but I kept him in. he him but who knows the mind of Gary Rowan, listeners? In comes Jed Wallace, possibly for his finale at the Den. Good applause. Listen to that. Also coming Mason Bennett for Tom Bradshaw. OK. Another move I don't get, but still... comes the cross it's a near post punched away by the goalkeeper back to Jeb Wallace who fires it across the six yard box for a goalkeeper. I think this is for Ted Ayres, of the Wolf family passed away recently from I believe it was cancer. Um, applause from the 59th minute I think this is an unofficial thing I think, nothing on the um, screen, that's just why I, I think I picked it up from social media, a nice token turn by Mason Bennett, that's the ball through he's got Burke on the right hand side, to so Wallace Wallace. ball into the penalty area Billy Mitchell's volley blocked and from 60 minutes searching for the second Danny Mac now, nice deep cross into the far post, it was Mason Bennett, look, it's Murray Wallace, sees it he's hit the crossbar. On the volley, unlucky 61 minutes, must have taken a deflection, he's gone for a corner, I thought he'd hit it cleanly. As it was, he's deflected, he's hit the crossbar, unlucky Murray Wallace, 61 minutes, it's going to be a right-sided corner for, to be taken by Jed Wallace. All looking much more dangerous since the goal. in it comes Far oh, post hit the post again <laughs> a little close range header there I think it was we're the woodwork left right centre listeners it runs through this is Mason Bennett into the side netting didn't really connect with it 62nd minute game's opened out a little bit more in the last few minutes which is better, better from the spectating point of view listeners, which is what we pay our money to, to do. Halfway point in the second half, Lions obviously leading it, thanks to that Benekafobe finish. Been a little bit more uh, excitement and electricity since the goal. Freaking taking shots, so There, fed its through, way through to Jed Wallace from the right side, ball into the mix, that's got him, oh goal, 2-0 Millwall! crossing from the right side, Jed will get the assist there, it's put into his own net by the uh, wayward, the Peterborough defender from close range, unstoppable 72 minutes, ticking to all 73 listeners, we'll need it 2-0 now in comes a corner, it's a deep right side, one. that's headed beautifully by Jake Cooper, it's saved on the line comes back to Jed Wallace again on the right side, it's a deep one, that's 3-0 now Jules Savile at the far post, far left post. 3-0, 15 minutes. We uh, all start to find the back of the net with uh, increasing regularity. Is it game on, listeners? Crowd in the den, believe so. 15 minutes to go. Called in from the right there, and then met very nicely indeed by Joel Savile on the left side post. 3-0. But Jed Wallace is tracking back. This is what others will gain at our expense, sadly. There's a good tackle. You can hear the, the applause for that tackle in our own, our own penalty area. This is top quality play. If this is his final Roy, well, he's he's he'll be proud of what he's done this afternoon. Right Tyler Bury coming in there for, for Oliver Burke. Good applause for him. I think it was one of his better performances, listeners, this afternoon. He's looked quite dangerous all afternoon. Um, some may be his critics. I don't know. I like him. Here comes Tyler. Apparently attracting the attention of the uh, the Hammers from uh, the London Stadium, the Taxpayers Stadium. Just permitted myself a quick look at the uh, live table. Listeners, we're, st- we're still three points off of now, obviously, Sheffield United. And crucially, they've got a goal difference of plus 14 to our plus 9 at the moment. Um, so we still, you know, we still need luck to go our way. And we need a few goals. And today might be the time to kick. Jed just ran into Jules as so I said, hey, we might need a few goals today in the last eight minutes against this poor side. Because we might struggle next week at Bournemouth but um, state the bleeding obvious Nick why don't you. The uh, stewards are lining the pitch ready for the expected pitch invasion. <laughs> Shall we go and get on the pitch? <laughs> the long I've been on the pitch. <laughs> uh, I've got one, I think yeah, 45 I think years went... ago. I would have been yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> ago, <I laughs> at the <my> den. <laughs> <laughs> There's the final we'll whistle. 3-0 win. Good win for the Lions, good result. Um, probably going to fall short in the end. Um, still got a trip to Bournemouth to. To get to here comes some kids Players well, leaving the pitch I think that's enough from the den. we'll be back after these messages
5: So my thoughts on that 3-0 win for Millwall um, it keeps the season alive somewhat but it's on life support, um, as we all know, yeah, the, it's a weird game to sum up really, um, I thought we were very, very good second half, with the introduction of Jed Wallace, um, after Ben Kofobie's, um left-footed, sort of half-volley finish, um, but the first half was dire, again, um, a better side may have put, you know, may have put us to the sword a bit, I thought we were well off it, um, I don't really get why, you know, we set up the way we did in the first half. When we took the shackles off in the second half, it, we were a lot better, um, and obviously scored the three goals at the bar, at the post. Murray Wallace nearly, uh, nearly, marked his player of the year award with with a goal. Um, but yeah, it was. I don't know. I've seen a few people on Twitter before I've done this sort of the yin and yang of Millwall. Some people slagging off, um, slagging off Gary Rowitz set up before a game um or like set up in the first half shall we say and i've seen other people slagging off the fact that we've gone for it a bit more i mean i will be honest if we had scored what one more goal maybe two more goals which we could have done um that the swing would look a lot more uh, would look a lot more likely than what it does now in terms of the goal swing that we need but it's still a massive ask to go and beat Bournemouth at Bournemouth with a chasing promotion and the title on the last day um, but we roll on it's on the last day we could still get the playoffs I still think we can still finish 12th can we I'm not too sure on if that's accurate now but you know um, all in all it's the Championship, anything can happen. We've done our job on the day. Yeah, we'd have liked more goals for the three-goal swing, but because Sheffield United scored two last, like, had a two-goal margin last night, we only nicked one back, so that's a shame. We need Fulham to do us a favour. We're, we're running out of favours. We're, um, we keep asking for them, and no-one keeps giving them, so um, we need Fulham, really, to beat Luton by, by a healthy margin um, whenever that game is, and uh, I think it's in the week. Um, and go from there really but we are in it on the last day so I suppose we can't ask for more than that but you can be critical of the setup in the first half because I think that was a missed opportunity um also what a difference Jeb this makes imagine imagine losing that next seat oh wait yeah and Tyler Bury, again look good when you come on um I just really like what he does but again rumours that we'll lose him <laughs> So, uh, yeah, let's try and be positive, but it will be a summer of change at a Den coming for sure. But come on, you Lions. Off to if we go.
6: So, 3-0 in victory over Peterborough at the Den today. And I'll tell you what, it was a bit of a pancake flat. First half, dear listener, it wasn't a game that I thought was uh, going to go anywhere. And I did think that although, you know, we knew what the stakes were and the fact that we needed the win, um, I thought that it might have ended up as a draw because that's how it seems to be going. We we struggled to penetrate through um, Peterborough. They were frustrating us, camps on the edge of their penalty area. But to be fair, Peterborough weren't great neither. Their, their, their football itself wasn't brilliant. There was a few triangles they played which were okay, but a lot of their passes until so their centre forwards were to feet and not really through ball so it was a bit of a flat first half second half a bit more different obviously we see some great goals um yeah, several uh, just to name a couple there great great finishes there and uh, it was i mean you can't say too little too late because there's not really a lot more you can do except for have a big win at home at 3-0 was a big win but there was chances, obviously, the one that hit the bar. I mean, several his goal, I think that was his second or third for only a yard out. There was a time in the first half where Leonard had the ball stuck in his feet and should have probably had a shot a bit earlier. So we should have really, let's be brutally honest, be about four or five to look good. But... Again, if you would have said last home game of the season, it's against Peterborough. It's still within touching distance of the playoffs and you win 3-0. And it's not a bad performance. You can't really knock it too much. Um, usual pitch invasion, which we normally get. But it's good to see that after everyone cleared the pitch, that the fans, came, um, the fans who were still in attendance uh, got to see the players, which was nice. Obviously, one game left to go. Um, it's a fair play to those who were going down to Bournemouth. To, to the game I won't be going down there didn't get a ticket but I just have to say it has been a good season I mean we have had some troughs that haven't been too good and we've obviously had a bit of a winless spell a while back and i know i know that some people will be looking to results like the Birmingham game a couple of weeks ago and the blackpool game and again that spell um where we didn't win too many peterborough away um is another one just around the christmas time and also you know like the fulham game down the den that the two two one which even though it was two one should have been about six nil But it's not been a bad season dear listener you know in 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 the sense that come on yes it realistically is over now um and that train is now coming to a halt you know we're getting very very close to the end of the line but let's just be brutally honest you know it's who, who at the start of the season would have expected that we would have been this close and at least with a very unrealistic chance of maybe sneaking in on last day there's a four or five goal swing Stranger things have happened in football, dear listeners, so keep the faith up the Lions until next season.
7: Hello, Nick. Hello, listeners. Ben Anthony here speaking mid-hangover after yesterday's 3-0 win. It was it was a good result yesterday. The second half was excellent. First half was pretty dull. Um, But yeah, very much enjoyed that second half. It was nice seeing the the den full and um, in good voice. And... uh, yeah, we have we sort of did our job and um, we've got another job to do next week and then we wait and see what other results happen. Um, we're in that weird position where uh, it's actually not impossible for Middlesbrough and Millwall to be the two teams qualifying for the post-season competition. So who knows? The, the last game of the season is always a bit of a weird one that usually there's some teams jumping up and down somewhere. So... Um, we wait and see, but if that is it, if it, if it's not enough, um, it's been a good season and we should remember it and celebrate it. Um, and, uh, if we do make it, then, uh, we'll all have a laugh, but, uh, otherwise, yeah, um, a lot of work to do in the summer, whatever happens, and, um, we look forward to coming back in at the end of July and, uh, doing it all again. Yeah, well done, Millwall, and, uh, Thanks to Nick and everyone who's contributed to the podcast. It's been great to listen to the shows and uh, yeah. See you all next season. Come on you lions.
3: We're joined on the show listeners by Charlie Mahoney and Charlie, you and me, We're just talking about this internet viral meme. I don't know if that's the right term, kids. (laughs) I don't know if that's that's still a term. (laughs) You've got the the latest rap CD, Nick. I'm going to have to get into it, Charles. (laughs) Uh, I'm I'm just looking at a bloke way too old. He's probably in my age group, Charlie, strolling through the two stewardesses, stewards, um, on the middle pitch amidst hysteria and and, uh, kids running around. It's um, it's a very Millwall end of season. Um, thing we go through every year, don't we? Mr. buy for now, going into a nervous breakdown, you know, whilst uh, the same things happen every season.
8: No, it's brilliant. Brilliant. I, I know a lot of people do get wound up by it, but I sort of enjoy the sort of ridiculousness of the end-of-season pitch invasion. The empty threat every year that they're not going to come back out and still invariably do, regardless <laughs> of what they say, it always makes me laugh.
3: Like, it's like a band from, you know, going off at the end of the show. You know they're going to come back, no matter how little applause you give them, they're going to come back for their encore because it's part of the band.
8: No, No hits to perform either. But, uh, yeah.
3: <laughs> Not this season. What a strange game I found yesterday, Charlie. Um, 3-0 win, obviously, for the Lions over Peterborough. But it almost like summarised the, the season in one game because there was a whole half of um, so-called football in that first half where effectively nothing happened and maybe one or two shots on goal from Peterborough but it was very little to report from the Millwall perspective and then a fairly decent phase of play in the second half that killed the game off and you I don't know am I am I being um churlish in wondering what if this season might have been you know there's, there's been so many wasted uh halves of football and, and chances we could have done so much better but that feels churlish when I say that
8: no, I've, I've, I think it's a, a valid sort of thing to sort of ask. I, I, I really do question whether you know is is that first half what would have been served up if the game had meant what it could have meant? Well, like you yeah. know, if, if had it not been for the like the QPR result the night before and a couple of other results and other things transpiring, like that could have been monumental that game yesterday. So the first half may have played out very differently. Um, it it seemed to me like that first half was two teams that didn't necessarily have enough kind of to motivate them. You know, Peterborough oh, already God. down, and and us kind of knowing, despite it not being mathematically sort of like impossible, knowing that the sort of playoff thing has probably passed us by. Um, had there been that motivation, would it have been a bit more intense? Would would there have been a bit more? sort of hunger from us. Um it's interesting to see. Like I say, that just could have been such a huge game yesterday. And I think the atmosphere was weird because it was so close to being one of those big games and wasn't, maybe.
3: Yeah, the fizz the fizz had gone from our yeah. stellar artois, so to speak, listeners. Um I make you right. I mean there is a famous song that listeners will know by Lenny Kravitz called It Ain't Over Till It's Over. And I do I do agree that um The, the season is, is probably realistically over, but it, it, it's not over till it's over, Charlie. I mean, you know, a, a full-throated approach from the very start. If we'd got some goals in the first half and continued that through the game, we might have rattled up I I don't know, a, a four, five, six kind of um scoreline. Peterborough weren't really in it, were they? Yesterday they were in on the relegation beach very much. Um, And I just find it strange, a strange approach because we were knocking it around like it was an end of season friendly in a a very unremarkable first half, given that we've got a sellout crowd to play to. I mean, there's there's a certain professional kind of pride that should say in front of a full house, at least try and um, turn it on to some level. We, We went, marginally close a couple of times, a couple of balls into the box, but there really wasn't anything to talk about at the end of the first half, which I found a bit of a shocker, really. Um I don't know, it just seems such a waste. And I think that's that's my sense of the season. Um wasteful moments, too many wasteful moments for, uh, for for Aaron Good really across the whole the whole campaign.
4: Yeah,
8: I think we sort of become involved in this sort of playoff thing without realising we were going to as well. Like had, had, yeah. had we had a bit more kind of if we'd anticipated that the season might end like this, we might have been a little bit more gung ho in games where we were a bit too cautious. But um my my kind of uh, my reaction to sort of missing out on the playoffs is is that we, we did have a run in that was kind of conducive to, to getting there if we just had that little bit more killer instinct and we didn't. So like if we had if we hadn't dropped points, and I know it's a bit arrogant to to describe it as dropping points in the away games. But if we hadn't dropped points at Preston and Birmingham, it may have been a very different matter because the own form's been quite sublime when you when you look at it. But just going on the road and being able to kind of have that ability to, to be decisive and win games just hasn't been there. And I think that's probably what is needed for a team that's finishing in the top six in this division.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, on that very point, um, Charlie, I mean, uh, this tweet here from Jake Sanders, since Mill were beaten by Luton on the 16th of October, they've taken 35 points from a possible 51 at home. Uh, No visiting side has scored more than once. Nine goals conceded. He describes it as a fortress. I mean, that's that's a a, a cracking home record. I mean, I I think if you want to know where the season got away from us, I don't think you can really... Um, look at the recent games. In fact, some I didn't take a note of the tweet, but someone made this very point. Forgive me, whoever it was out there that posted this, because it's a very good point, that you can't set yourself winning all five or six last games of the season. It's just unrealistic. You've got to look at, particularly, I feel, Charlie, there was a phase in the season between, I think it was December and January, where we had five losses, five league losses, a couple of wins, but five league losses including some really poor showings at uh, Peterborough and, and uh, Blackpool. Um, and then you've got games at Stoke where we've got beat in poor circumstances. That's that's where the season's got away from us across a bigger stretch of time than these recent games. Um, there's a, there's, a, there's a, th- a debate online, and I wanted to get your take on it, really. There's two strands of thought here. One summed up by... Luke Stallard, he says, talking about Gary Rowett here, Charlie, he says, uh, Gary Rowett's got the results and you can't knock him for that. But Rowett simply doesn't get the club. That first half sums it up for, for Luke. Biggest crowd in a long time and the atmosphere is, is a dead zone. There's nothing to get behind. No press, no counter-attack, no quality. He says it's not Millwall. Then in, in repost Lee Snell says he's, he's an un, unpopular opinion. As, as, as I think it's more popular than Lee might think. Uh, regardless of his style of football, Gary Rowett is the best manager we've had in a long time. Uh, and the fact that we're consistently looking at the playoffs with such little money is remarkable. Imagine what you could do with money, says Lee. So there's this kind of tension between these two viewpoints, Charlie. I was interested to see where you where you come down. Is it Gary Rowett's a boring defensive manager that doesn't get the club and doesn't ignite the 18,000 or what, 17,000, whatever it was in the den yesterday? Or is it that he's outperforming? We're um, punching way above our weight, as, as the cliche has it. Because there's it, no no real answer, but it strikes me that all are true. Actually, aren't they? both sides are true at, say, at the same time.
8: Yeah, uh, like I'm going to be sort of annoyingly sort of Keir Starmer about it. I think. <laughs> that, like, it,
1: it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Have
8: a beer with people.
1: Yeah. We're
8: yeah. It's, um, there's, there's sort of elements from both of those schools of thought that, that may have validity. Um, but we were talking about it on the way home yesterday and I, I really don't think it's as simple as saying like, oh, we're just too negative and we're too cautious all the time. I think, you know, if it was up to Gary Rowett and we went out early yesterday and scored three goals in the first half, he would have taken that. I don't think it's as simple as him just saying, don't score. I think he just, you know, he assesses the opposition. He, he, he wants to see the threat they pose within the game and yeah. then kind of bases his tactical approach from there rather than just saying, I'll defend constantly. But yeah, you know, I can see why it's not... The first half was definitely tepid. It was definitely poor. Um, but I don't think he set out intentionally to annoy people, to be boring. Um, and I agree with the other side of of this as well that he's done really well. I mean, the fact remains that even though we we won't make the playoffs, like it's a mathematical possibility on the last day of the season, yeah,
3: long long shot, shot,
8: yeah, yeah, it's mental, isn't it? Like to think that we would, but uh, the the fact that it is actually mathematically possible on the last day of the season really is an achievement that needs to be recognized. Yeah, in some respects we probably I think what really needs to be kind of um, acknowledged and 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 sort of like expressed is that we are just more we're more than good enough for this league and I think that's something to say in itself like you know we are we are playing teams at home currently and and, and sort of brushing them aside and, and, and beating them with ease or beating them comfortably and and who wouldn't have wanted to aspire to that, you know, a few seasons ago, like that needs to be kind of celebrated in itself. So yeah. Okay. His it, footballs not everyone's cup of tea, but he has established us in this division. Um, he, he's, he's completed his objectives is probably what the board would have sort of stated of him and, and, and asked him to kind of fulfill. So,
3: yeah, I mean we placed, I think it's eighth. I haven't got the table in front of me, uh, listeners. So I, th- I think it's eighth. We're probably going to finish around about eighth. We might, it, it is, we've got to go to Bournemouth and put five past them. And, uh, I think we need Sheffield United to get beat on the last day, so, and then other, I think, um, Borough needs to get beat. So it's, it's not probably not going to happen. um, but I think you're right. I mean, to to be an established top 10 championship side is no mean feat, Charlie, with, with given that I was looking at a graphic the other day online that I saw where the, I think only Luton are outperforming us in terms of wage to performance, so to speak, league performance. And uh, they've done very well this season on, on minimal resources. I mean, we operate pretty much on minimal resources. So, I think people have to, um, you know, manage their expectations a little bit. I'm also not entirely convinced by this um, thing that I I hear a lot. You might hear it too, Charlie, that I'd sooner get beat in an entertaining 3-4 game, 5-4 or something, sooner go out all guns blazing than win it by a boring 1-0 margin. I'm not entirely convinced that that would last very long if we were consistently getting beat in entertaining games because we'd be entertaining ourselves down towards the relegation zone quite quickly. And I don't entirely buy that. I think that's easy to say when you've just won a professional 1-0 win over, you know, good quality championship opponents. I think it's kind of, the kind of phrase that trips off people's tongues without really thinking too deeply about it. Um, I mean, actually, I just want to dwell on some of the good parts of yesterday because the second half was a much better showing, Charlie, than, than that first half opened up by a really nice, um, a phobie finish. I, I, I was a long way away from it when it went in the net and there. And I could see it was him that finished it, but watching the YouTube clip this morning is actually a really nice take and, um, controlled finish for two. And that really opened the game up at one nil, didn't it? Nice, nice effort by Bennick.
8: Absolutely brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Like I, I had quite a decent view because I'm sitting in the lower dockers. So yeah. but I was sort of watching it sort of right behind him as he, he sort of took it. Um, I think he's a fantastic player. There's there's been a lot of debate about him. People are saying, Oh, oh he's Lazy. not to Lazy. Police. Yeah, but <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm tired of just having players to celebrate because they chase lost causes and run themselves into the ground. The fact of the matter is is that Benicophobe produces the goods when it matters. And even even in game, he can have a terrible ninety minutes overall, but still produce an absolute moment of quality. And I think it's, I think it's having players like him in the team that is going to take us to that next level. Quite frankly, like yeah, you you can have your your sort of like strikers who are going to chase the goalkeeper down constantly and,
3: Eff- like I say, yeah. the lost cause yeah. thing, and and that yeah.
8: is that is great. We want we want to see that, and that that is definitely an admirable quality in a player. But for me. It is about having the FOBs who who can just produce a moment of quality like he did yesterday. Um, thought it was a fantastic finish, and there's been a few a few goals at the Den this, like in the in recent months where he's really kind of displayed what he's about. I think.
3: Yeah, the kind of skill you can't teach, Charlie. I mean, you, you can teach effort, you can teach um, you know, the, the kind of uh, the basics of the game, but. Uh, he, he controlled the ball to to line up the finish, and the execution was was tremendous. But there's a the, the control. I think it was a crossing from um, from the right. It came over to to Bennett. and you, you, that's the bit you can't teach in football. It's that's instinctive, and that's what um, you know. That, that's the next level, as as you rightly say. Um, and then talking about a oh man we're going to lose, and I think it's going to leave a very big big hole behind him. Obviously, Jed Wallace's uh, home finale. Uh, he came into the game uh, early in the second, I think, after we went 1-0 up. Jed came in and he actually assisted in both of the, the next two goals. So the own goal, uh, which was a, a cross in from the right. And then the third goal, which was another cross for uh, a decent, again, decent finish for George Savile to head home. Um it's a kind of a, a bittersweet day in a way. I mean, I, you know, I, I think he's a great player, Jed Wallace. Um, there's a there's a very strange debate online last night, which I, I'm not going to partake in this because it's nonsense about whether he is or isn't a real legend. And I don't know what you know, legend. This this kind of modern term of legend is is so band banded around so easily. But he's a he's a, one of our best players, um, certainly with the best player in the last. 10 years, I'd say, in a Millwall shirt. Um, okay. Possibly no, no, longer. No, no, possibly yeah. longer, no mean achievement. And he does have what we just talked about with Bennett Charlie, that ability to do the unexpected and, and the stuff that you can't teach. Um, I think he's a, he's been a great, great player for Millwall Jedwell. It's going to be a real loss.
8: Well, I mean, it's ironic on the battle what I'm saying about this debate about, like, kind of, you know, effort and, and quality. You know, can you have a great player who doesn't sort of, like, Drive Ooh. himself. And I, I genuinely think Jed did that. I, th- I genuinely think Jed kind of combined all those kind of, uh, those mere wall kind of classic attributes and quality. Like, this is a player who really cared, really, really did care, really kind of uh, went to that extra level, chased lost causes, uh, wanted to put a tackle in, but also produced flashes of absolute brilliance. Um, and he is going, let's not, you know, let's not make any bones about it. He's off, I think. But um, he's
3: out of contract. I think he can do well for himself. And he's at an age where he's, he's kind of got to, Charlie. I mean, you know, he won't so. get this chance again, will he? Um, um, who wouldn't do that? I, 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 you know, everyone would take that chance if they if they could get it in their lives. And I don't begrudge him it. Um so, two well, three spells at Mill 2016 to 2022, 241 starts, 18 as a sub, including uh, yesterday, 43 goals. I didn't tot up the assists because that's been his real, um, you know, that's where he stood apart from, from many, many Mill players. But no, I, I, I would put him in, in the category of one of the greats, whether that makes him a legend or not. I don't know. It's such a, a, a trite term in some ways. Um, the other contrast you know we, we're talking about effort and, and maximum Millball kind of um, attribute it goes to our player of the season Murray Wallace there's a there was a great post how I think it was Jake Sanders said how you know our consistently best player for the last well since 2016 Jed has never won player of the season and instead we've we've uh, rightly I, I don't begrudge Murray I love I love Murray Wallace to death but it, it does illustrate that Millwall. Very Millwall thing, the thing of favouring graft over talent, Charlie, doesn't it? We, it's almost in our DNA, mate, that that's, that's the way the the, the cards will fall at the den, you know?
8: Well, I mean, you know, you, you can look at specific seasons. Like, I think, uh, you know, I think that first season back in Division 1, when we got promoted with McGee and we had the likes of Cahill and Reed. Yeah, and yeah. I feel and, and Sadler and I think it was like Matt Lawrence who got Player of the Season that That's year. It. It, 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 yeah, that yeah. kind of mentality, yeah. isn't it? Like it's it's yeah. not it's not that people are being hipsters, but they're sort of like kind of they're kind of looking bigger picture at it. And who who's, who are the players who facilitate that quality? Like who are the like linchpins and who are the people who get the basics right and allow the kind of more technically able players to flourish because of the effort that's being put in elsewhere, maybe. I, I think Murray is fully deserving of that award. Yeah, I, vote.
3: I, I agree, I agree, agree.
8: But it, it, it is in, it's interesting you're saying it. This is why players like, you know, Jimmy and Matt Lawrence and Murray win player of the season because people are not necessarily looking for that flair. They're not looking for the most kind of adventurous, explosive performances of the seasons, but the ones that have really held it all together, I think.
3: I'd say both Wallaces, Jed and Murray. uh, Jed's been here longer than Murray, but both are players that have improved tremendously. I mean, Mill's been good for both players. um, And I think they both recognise that because I think uh, Jed was quite emotional, apparently, on the pitch at the end of the game. He
8: he, He he certainly looked it. He certainly looked it, yeah. Because, like I say, I when they did the uh, when they did the lap of honour, yeah. Um, yeah. he he looked a bit choked up. Maybe I, maybe I was just sort of like reading too much into it because that's what I expect to happen. But it, it, it did have the kind of appearance of a farewell.
3: Absolutely, um, I saw he had his two kids out there uh, running on the pitch. Someone said he had, you know, he was it was he was emotional at the end of the game. Um, and equally, I mean, obviously Murray is staying on. His his, his contract was extended, um, but I think it's I think both recognise the the very Millwall qualities that make or break some players. If you respond here, then it both have improved tremendously at one of the tougher clubs to yeah. to make it at, Charlie, I mean, you know, um, what's the song? New York. You can make it here. You can make it anywhere at that yeah. You know, um, and I think there's a, a touch of that for both both Wallace's. I think
8: um, Tim Cahill said something along those lines as well. You know, if you if yeah. you can if you can perform for me well, you know you're sorted. If you if you can get it right here, your career is going to flourish. Almost like yeah,
3: we'll see where he goes to, Jed. Um, he, he, That's he an probably, interesting
8: one. That's an interesting one to actually think where he's going to go to, because um, he is going to leave. But I'm not entirely sure where.
3: Well, the talkies of t- t- uh, Turkey, um, Beziktas, I think I saw. Yeah. Whether that's true or not, I, 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 haven't got a clue. I'm not in the know, listeners. Um, whether there's, whether there's money in Turkey in the, in the sense of a player of his quality, I, I wouldn't know. I, I, I don't know. Um, quite a lot, cost- quite a lot in
8: Turkey apparently. Quite a Is lot, there? and, and yeah. they, okay. famously, they sort of uh, a lot of foreign players go there because they have a very low tax rate apparently on, on wages so yeah what you yeah, earn of course, is sort um, of, uh, yeah.
3: yeah of course Benik phobe had a spell in Turkey so maybe maybe that's um, maybe that's what's in Jed's mind also a change of scene I mean if, you know from uh, from the experience point of view it's um, different different way of life there different lifestyle so maybe that's what he's got in mind I, I don't know um, it's gonna be an interesting summer time ahead not only for Jed. But for us too, I mean, there's a load of players that are out of uh, contract, and it's going to be quite a big, almost um, not quite a clean slate for for next season, Charlie. But it's, there's a lot of question marks over players. I mean, I, I'd even include Gary Rowett in in that, um, you know, the question mark zone, because we're, you know, he's been would have been with us now, I think, for three years, three seasons, um, including his first campaign. Um when he he came to us in, let's let's be honest as a kind of rehabilitation after a bad experience at Stoke and he was working for Sky TV, wasn't he? Um and he would have come to us with a, a view to trying to get back on the on the motorcycle and ride. And he's he's done that really. He can point to a consistent um you know, for an unfashionable club that nobody likes, <laughs> um, he's, he's produced a, a very good, strong championship finish in each of the seasons that he's been there with us. I wonder whether he'll be looking to um, broaden his horizons at some point. So,
8: yeah, that that's definitely something that intrigues me. Um, I think he's done a great job as well. Like I say, you're just asking yourself who would actually come in for him. Not in a not in a kind of a derogatory way to row it, but just genuinely wondering who would be interested and where the approach would come from, I think. Uh, there was, there have been mentions of West Brom, apparently, but yeah, as yeah. I know Steve Bruce is going to stay there. I think if West Brom really wanted Rowick, they would have gone out and tried to get him when they appointed Steve Bruce a few months ago anyway. So I'm not sure that one holds up. But um, yeah, I, I think Rowick's definitely worth keeping. Like I said earlier, I know he's not, everyone's cup of tea in terms of some of the football that we may or may not play. But you've just got to look at what he's achieved. And I I, I would say the danger of losing Rowick might be more next season when, you know, a team that's expected to do well potentially struggles and then looks at someone who's doing a consistent job.
3: I suppose Rowick will give any club, ourselves, we're we're a classic example of very official. He'll get moderate clubs to outperform themselves. I think that's that's going to be his unique selling point mm-hmm. as a manager. We'll see. We'll see. I'm i hoping that he will also take a view that if we can back him, I don't know to what level we're going to back him or whether we can back him financially, that he can do even better. You know, we'll keep making the repeat point that this season does have a little slight sense that it could have been a lot better. Maybe, um maybe 20, 22, 23 can be the season this could have been. I don't know. We'll we'll see. We're going to be losing Dan Ballard. He's loans up. Um He's going to be a loss as well, Chul. I've liked Dan Ballard this season, going back to Arsenal. I would imagine he would see himself as a Premier League level defender now. I mean, I've seen, um, seen some really good performances for him and he's already at Arsenal, so you'd expect him to, you know, to be thinking at that level as his next step in his career so i can't see him staying on at the den unless we can muster up a serious bid for him I, I, which I, I don't know we will or need to even arguably um Shea Ojo, I, I can't i don't I can't see him staying uh, hanging about can you Or would you keep him charlie ojo i
8: i I, I genuinely haven't seen enough of the bloke no. to be fair i um no. I, I don't injuries have done any- there, yeah, I don't want to dismiss him, but I, I think even when he has been available and fit, he's not necessarily been, well, it's first choice. Um, I think there was one game, I think Stoke got home. He really played well. Um, yeah. I think he's up with for Bradshaw maybe. Um, that's when I watched him and thought, well, oh, we've got a bit of a player here, but um, never really... In, injuries
3: done for him, isn't it? Injury's yeah, of course.
8: Of course, yeah. But uh, that, you know... That that doesn't help a, a loan player at all, does it? Really, because you get a limited time to see him. He'll probably go back to Liverpool, and it, his career's been just full of these loan moves. So it, it's almost like he's just there at Liverpool to be loaned out to someone else. Um, yeah, it, it's it's unfortunate, really. But I I also think that Rowitz not necessarily fancied him when he has been available as a kind of first choice option. I think he was there to augment the squad rather than be like a major part of the first team.
3: I mean it remains to be seen players like um Oliver Burke we saw I thought he's in, I think he's improving game by game. Um I was a little bit so so about him initially. Uh but he is quick and he, he's is increasingly, for me at least, he's establishing a presence, whether that means we will want to table a serious bid for him. I I remains to be seen. Um so many question marks, Charlie. Same with Benicophobia, really our top scorer. Um, they have 13 goals, I'm going to guess. I had 12 at the start of yesterday, so 13 after yesterday. Um, going back to Stoke, because he was on loan to us all season. Uh, you do get a sense that Benic feels at home at Mill. Whether, it's really whether we're going to have the money to invest in, in keeping this, this level of play. If we're not, then we've got to start from scratch, pretty much, looking at diamonds in the rough from the lower leagues. If we're not going to be talking about this kind of player, At championship
8: level, yeah, I think uh, the the gist of what Rowick was saying yesterday is that we want to keep these players, but it's not necessarily just a matter of us deciding whether that's going to happen, or or maybe means maybe he means from his own perspective, yeah, the budget he's got to work with. But I do feel that if we're just going to like kind of not even pepper the squad full of loan players, like really every signing we've made's been a loan this year if if that's the approach we're going to take and they've done well then you know surely we've I got to be looking at get, getting them on a permanent basis
3: you know i mean i will say the quality of the loans has improved to i i mean, it's one good thing that gary Rowett yeah. has brought to the club we we've signed some decent and some duds because that's the that's the gamble that you take with in the loan market but we've signed including Bennick. i mean he's, he's he's probably the best example of a very very judiciously place loan signing. So um, I, I do think that's one thing that's Rowett it has brought to the brought to the club. So many questions, Charlie. We're gonna it's gonna be an interesting summertime ahead, mate. and um, it's gonna
8: it's gonna be a limited one as well because the season's strong. gonna be starting earlier as well. So like Yeah. To got to get to yeah.
3: 30th of July, the new season starts. We've got one more fixture to complete. This is, of course, at AFC Bournemouth next weekend. um, We just need to beat them by five. We need Middlesbrough and Sheffield to get beat. And then we're in the playoffs. No sweat. (laughs) No sweat. (laughs) Oh, dear. I want to say thank you, Charlie, taking time out your Sunday morning, mate, coming on the show.
8: Thanks for having me, mate.
3: Cheers. Well, We'll do more of these next season with Charlie. Always enjoy talking to Charlie. Um, summertime's coming, so easy, crazy, crazy days of summer. We're gonna have some more shows over, of course, in the summertime, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, I shall see you all, listeners, after AFC Bournemouth. Thank you, Charlie. And Arriva Dirty Millwall, bye for now.
2: You have been listening to Achtung Millwall, please do leave us a review at Apple Podcasts. Danke schon, Up the Lions.